If you are four year old up to the first grade, you are excused to kids club. I would like to ask this morning if you're the one here that has offended Elsa from Frozen, I really wish you'd apologize. <laughs> Despite the cold, thank you all for coming out today. Really, I more here today than I really thought that we might have, as cold as it is. For many of you that may not know me, I'm Vince Dix. I am one of your trustees here at Calvary. Ben and his family was able to get away for Christmas, and he called me a couple weeks ago and he asked me if I would preach today just in case they didn't make it back. And we know from living in this country, uh, you definitely want to pad your travel schedule just a little bit to give you an extra day or two of travel due to weather. So he was hoping to be back, but uh, obviously he's not, but... I told him that I'd be glad to fill in. Well, you know, we have flipped the calendar. We've got a new month. We've got a whole new year. Most of us will write the wrong date on our checks for a while. Probably write the wrong date on some documents that we need to sign for the next couple of months. But we'll get the hang of 2022 eventually. But often people seem to make New Year's resolutions for the new year, wanting to make some changes in their lives. In January, you're probably going to see an extremely large spike in membership in gyms and fitness centers, and usually that membership starts to drop off pretty seriously about March. Many of us, uh, as we come into the new year, we want to lose weight maybe, we want to improve our finances, we want to work on our marriages a little bit, spend more time with our family, and probably a dozen other things maybe that you've made a resolution for for the new year. But with all those resolutions, what resolutions have we made to improve ourselves as a Christian? The past couple series that Ben and David have preached us through, we saw over and over where God wanted a relationship with us. In Genesis, as Ben pointed out, God spent less than two chapters describing creation telling us about the mere fact that He created the heavens and the earth, He created the night and the day, created man and woman, all the creatures of the earth, the plants, and God saw it and said it was good. He wanted us to know that He had did it, but He wanted us to move on, to have that relationship between man and God, and to build the temple. So today, folks, I'd like to cover just three things with you that I'd like to think that you might want to take on as a New Year resolution, and hopefully that you will not give up on them by March. Number one is prayer. We know prayer is obviously important because it appears in the Bible 650 times. I read a while back that most Christians spend about three minutes a day in prayer. Three minutes. Some groups spend more. Hopefully your pastors are up around 30 minutes. But the average Christian, about three minutes. Four out of five Christians admitted that they never even had prayed in the last week. Now if you're married, I don't recommend this. But if you're married, what kind of relationship would you have if you communicated with your spouse three minutes a day? My guess would be it'd probably be a pretty rocky one. But you know, many Christians have a relationship with the Creator of the universe based on just three minutes a day. 
Why don't we know him? We don't know him because we don't communicate with him. We don't talk to him. As we watch Transformers and Avengers and Endgames and Frozen and Santa Claus 2, those characters that are cast in those movies all seem to have some kind of supernatural power. You know, prayer is one thing that we get to do that is supernatural. Have you ever thought of that? You can actually bow your head and you can communicate with the Creator of the universe through this thing called prayer. Pretty cool to me. You don't need a mediator. You don't need a referral. You don't need to fill out any forms. You don't need to press one for English. Nothing stands between you and direct communication with Jesus. If you have your Bibles this morning or your electronic devices, and if you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles provided for you in the pew racks and the pews. But I'd like to uh, look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 23. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is a will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecy. But test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now many the God of peace Himself sanctifies you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I read the Scripture and I thought, well, this is a pretty good New Year's resolution for me. And I hope that I can tack on to these eight verses through 2022. And if I can follow these verses, I can definitely feel pretty good. You know, the Scripture talks about praying without ceasing. You know, I always struggled with that until my next door neighbor kind of nailed it down for me several years ago. Bob and Ellis Elizondo lived in the unit right next to us in base housing at off at Air Force Base, Omaha. While they were our neighbors, their only child, Rory, drowned in a rock quarry swimming accident with his friends. As Patty and I ministered to them after Rory's loss, it kind of worked in reverse. As they were so strong in the Lord, instead we found them encouraging us. Now, Bob and I both had jobs while we were off at Air Force Base that we could tell you what we do, but afterwards we'd have to kill you. So there wasn't much shop talk between me and Bob. When we worked together, though, we sat out on the patio and we played cards. We often ate together as families, whatever we had, whatever they had. We just kind of joined and, and ate. But we talked an awful lot about the things of the Lord. And one day, Bubby and I, oh, by the way, his name's Bob, my name's Vince, but his name for me was Vinny, and my name for him was Bubby. And one day, we were going someplace, and we were driving along, and I was driving, and we were on a two-lane road, and we were meeting an ambulance. And the right thing to do is, of course, to pull off to the side of the road and let the ambulance pass. And I did just that, and I was just about ready to start up again and to move again, and I looked over at Bubby, and he had his head on the dash. Bubby, you okay? I said, oh yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I was just praying for whoever that was that was in the ambulance. Bingo. Prayer without ceasing. 
I kind of failed to remember in my life that we can pray a few words. We can pray a few sentences. Not always hands folded. We don't need to be on our knees, our eyes closed, our heads bowed to pray. Pray for that one in the ambulance. Pray for the needs of people that you know. Thank God for the many, many blessings that He gives to us. If someone pops in your head you haven't thought about for a long while, guess what? That might be God just reminding you you need to pray for them. Lift them up. So throughout the day, we can do numerous, numerous short prayers. By doing so, we make our day as an attitude of prayer. We look in the mirror every morning, and when we do that, we, we select what attitude that we're going to have for the day. If you write down attitude on a piece of paper, and under the A, put a 1, because that's the first letter of the alphabet. Then the two T's, write 20. For the I, write 9. You've got a T again, write another 20. U, write a 21. D, write a 4. And for the E, write a 5. Add it all up, it adds up to 100. An attitude of 100% dedication to prayer throughout the day is prayer without ceasing. One other thing about prayer in Matthew chapter 6, verses 6 through 7. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will hear, be heard for their many, many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. It says, go into your room. If you read other translations, it says, go into the inner room or to go into the closet and shut the door to pray. It also still don't heat up your prayers with empty phrases. That tells me that short and to-the-point prayers is what He wants to hear. Not a lot of fluff, but pray to Him directly. If you read on in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus teaches His disciples to pray with what we've come to know as the Lord's Prayer. Now, I know as busy parents with little ones, demanding jobs, busy schedules, it's kind of tough to find a minute alone sometime to pray, isn't it? But Jesus is our example in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. He says, Jesus arose early in the morning and He went out to a desolate place to pray. Over the years, God has blessed me with a 15 to 30 minute ride from work to home. I'm not in a room, but I'm in a pasture compartment and the door is closed and it's just God and me. Driving has always been a good prayer closet for me. It was a time for me to transition from work to home. Pray while you're driving, but I don't recommend that you close your eyes. But it's a good time to be with the Lord. 
Turn that radio off. Take those earbuds out of your ears. Put your cell phone on ignore. And be with Him in that very supernatural way of prayer. Prayer. It's so important for our relationship that we have with God. Number two is study the Scriptures. So how do we do that? Sad to say, Christians, but we spend less time studying the Scriptures than we do praying. I'd never recommend to someone to explore the Bible for the very first time to start at the beginning. Most books, yes, we would pick it up and we would start at page one. But it's not true with the Bible. Most people who start at the front soon find themselves a a little bit like these gym people will in March. They'll quit. For a new Christian, begin to regularly read the Bible. Start in the New Testament, I recommend. Read the Synoptic Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Learn first about Jesus before you go any further in the Bible. You know, there are absolutely dozens of reading plans out there that you can pick up. Plans that take just minutes per day for you to be able to read through the Bible, through an entire Bible in one year. You can start with something as simple as a little daily devotional that we have. We have like the daily bread here that you can pick up here at the church. Very simple. Read through it. It gives you a devotion. gives you a little scripture. Something for each and every day. For January, January is what? 31 days long, right? Read the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is 31 chapters long. Read a chapter a day. You're only a day behind. You can catch up. Maybe you can find a study that is of interest to you with a book to do a little self-study of Scripture for yourself. Don't forget at church, we got ladies' Bible study. we got Sunday school. we got contenders. we got com- community groups. All of our ministries are geared to help us to study the Word. So how important is the Scripture to us? It's quite evident as we look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 through 17. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped, for every good work. Pretty clear what that Scripture is to me. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5, it says, every word of God proves true. If every word of God proves true, let's go back to our main passage for today. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21. It says, test everything. Bump everything that you come in contact with up against the Word of God. If you believe everything that you read on Facebook and the news, then you and I need to talk. The Bible talks about false prophets in Matthew, in Romans, 1 Peter, 2 Peter. It's so evident of false prophets that exist among us today. Pray that God will give you discernment to bump everything, every teaching, so you bump it against the Bible. You know it's true. And do your research. Don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe everything that you read. Bump it against the Word of God. 
Charles Spurgeon once said, the sign of a broken down, worn out Bible is a sign of a spiritually fed child of God. I was really reminded of this saying a couple of years ago when our funeral home handled the arrangements for Lyle Hansen. Now many of our longtime members here at Calvary, they knew who Lyle was. It was said that he wore out a Bible a year and that throughout his lifetime he read the Bible through 60 times. Well, I'm nowhere as near that at age 69. He was way ahead of me. At the request of the family, I placed a Bible in his hands in the casket. And that Bible had a very worn cover. The binding was broken. The pages were well used. And it was all held together with a rubber band. Lyle was a spiritually fed child of God because he spent time in the Word with God. Find time this year to be in the Word. Psalms 119.9 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? He can do that by guarding it according to your Word. I encourage you Christians this year, wear out a Bible like Lyle did. My number three and my final point this morning, Father, give us a burden for lost souls in 2022. In our prayer time, do we ask God to give us a burden for the lost souls that are around us? A great man of God once said, we can have a great sorrow over the loss, lost people while at the same time that we have a great love and joy in Jesus Christ. Jesus just talked to people. Excuse me. Jesus, He just talked to people. He met people where they were. And from that, I believe in something that I call relationship evangelism. As you leave these doors today to exit out into your own mission field, <clears throat> you're going to come in contact with coworkers, neighbors, family members, people that are pastors, our elders, our other leaders in this church will never meet. <clears throat> Many people you come in contact with, you are the only Jesus that they will see in their lives. A study a few years ago showed that seven out of ten people that we come in contact with in our daily walk of life are lost. Seven out of ten. I want you to process that for a minute and think back over the past couple of days. How many lost souls did you come in contact with? Did it even pass through your mind that if they died today, that they aren't headed to heaven? Life is short. Hell is real. Time goes fast. And death is for eternity. Have a burden for the lost. If you look at Romans chapter 9, verse 2, <clears throat> Paul shared in that Scripture, I have a great sorrow 
and an unceasing anguish in my heart. This was Paul saying that he had a burden for the salvation of his fellow Jews. Do we have that same sorrow and anguish about the loss that are around us? The Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28 tells us to go forth and make disciples of all the nations. But really, how are we doing in our little corner of responsibility that God has given to us? In our lives, we can often share the love of Jesus by just simply exercising our gifts and our talents that God has given to us. Go snowblow somebody's driveway. Take in a meal. Help them with a project. Build a relationship with them to where they know you, you know them. Maybe you're just the one that's going to plant the seed with them and someone later will come along and be able to do the harvest. Whatever. As I said earlier about relationship evangelism, we are able to evangelize the people throughout our relationships and share Jesus Christ. Maybe you feel, well, I'm not a pastor, or I'm not an elder. I can't seem to share Jesus in my daily walks. I had a friend that was a bipolar gentleman, born and raised in Cameroon, Africa. Alfred had a memorization of not just verses, but he could memorize chapters of Scripture. And he could spit them out like nobody's business. Always was amazed. In my case, I guess I've been hit in the head too many times. I've been around too many things that went boom. And I don't have the ability of memorization that he did. And many times I can't recall even the reference in the Bible. But I can recall pieces of Scripture and get the just of what was actually said in that verse. I even carry a little cheat card in my wallet that helps me with some key Scriptures to help me talk to someone about salvation. If you don't feel ready to do that, don't feel ready to actually take somebody and try to witness to them, I ask you to go back to point one and two. Prayer and study the Scriptures. Pray for the lost that you know. If you don't see a chance to witness, you don't feel you can witness, you feel that you're inadequate, pray the Spirit opens a door and will lead somehow for that person to come to know Jesus Christ. But study. Study the Scriptures. Over in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10-18, through 18, it talks about the full armor of God and the sword of the Spirit being the Word of God. The Word is your weapon, Christians. By studying it, you sharpen your skills to use it in a spiritual battle that we are up against to help win souls from the devil's grip. God often opens doors for us to share about Jesus Christ. Don't pass them by because they may not come around again. Pray, study, have a burden for the lost. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for loving us as You do. 
Thank you for the blessings you give us each and every day. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to live in a nation that we can still openly share about you. Help us know in this new year to be a better servant for you. Over and over in the Scriptures, you have shared your desire to have a relationship with us. Help us all to spend more time in prayer with you. More time in the Word. And give us a burden for the lost. In John 4.35, you said the fields are white unto harvest. Lord, give us a desire to help with that harvest. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.